Are you recording? All right, we're going to get started very soon. If everybody could come back in. All right, everyone, if you can make your way in, we're going to get started. Oh, wow. I should have put a... All right, everyone, we have Merle speaking today, so if you come back in, I'm going to get, we're going to pray for him. Jesus. This is Merle, our associate pastor here, so Father, we just mm. lift up Merle to you. We just ask that your Holy Spirit's power would just flow through him. Father, we would just open up our ears. And our hearts, Father, to hear from you, Father, just allow that it would just pierce our hearts, Father. Mm. Yes, God. That your Holy Spirit would just, just open up our minds, Father, open up areas that maybe we haven't um, been open to before, Father, in our minds, in our hearts, Father. Just reveal to you, Father, what you would have for us today, Father. And I just lift up Merle and just pray for grace and favor. Father, I just pray for your anointing to flow through him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, David. All right. Is this on? Check. One, two. Everyone can hear me? Wonderful. Awesome. Good morning. In prayer this morning, uh, there was uh, two things that I heard. I wasn't there, able to be there the whole time, but uh, two things that I heard kind of prophetically um, that uh, someone else said. I, I didn't hear it prophetically, but I heard them talking and praying about it, uh, was God wants to deal with unbelief, and he wants to show us what is available. So unbelief and availability. Amen? All right. So let's just pray for, for that. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We ask that you would root out unbelief, God. You know the conditions of our hearts. You know where we are. Father, we thank you for uh, the prophetic this morning, God, in this house. We thank you for your heart this morning in this house, in Newport Church. And Father, we ask that you would show us what is available in Jesus' name to each one of us. Amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I think Mark referenced it or, or, or somebody referenced it uh, about when Jesus, you know, when he came in, um, when, he, when he came into his hometown, it says that he did not do many miracles. And uh, yesterday I heard Lee Dumatis preaching, and he, he was like, you know, the Bible, you know, I've always, this was his, his words, I've always heard it in my mind that Jesus could not do many mighty miracles. But that's not what the Bible says. It says that Jesus did not do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief. 
And so unbelief, you know, it, it, it's not that it restricts God. It's that there's no honor for the Lord in it, you know. Uh, there's no honor for the Lord in it. And so we want, uh, we want the Lord free to move in our hearts and in our lives. We want God free to declare his purposes and destiny over our hearts. And so we want to root out unbelief. And, if, and so, Lord, if there's any area of unbelief in me, Father, even in what you want to do in Newport, even in what you want to do here, I ask God that you would root out. We thank you for the, the, your great grace here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the, the message this morning is, why am I here and what is my purpose? Why am I here and what is my purpose? Where? Because <laughs> if you, if you got to be somewhere, it might as well be here, right? <laughs> All right, somebody, somebody said they were going to say that when I asked that question. Now I, I can't find them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if, you're, if you got to be somewhere, you might as well be here. Okay, so why am I here? What is my purpose? For some people, they would see their purpose in life as I am here to make money. And that's why you see the picture of money up there uh, on the first slide. Uh, I'm here to make money. I'm put on earth. My purpose on earth is to make money, to succeed, to do well, uh, to, to you know, get as much as we can and then sit on the can. <laughs> And guard the can, all right? You know, uh, my purpose on life, make money. Other, the next slide, you know, some people say, I'm here to have fun. I exist to have fun. Woo! Yeah, there's a, come on, there's a few fun people in here that, you know, can say amen to that, all right? No, but, they, they, you know, it's like, you know, what is my purpose in life, man? You know, I just, I just want to have fun, uh, Others say, like, I am here to dominate. I am here to succeed. I am here to take dominion, baby. I am here to, like, to rule the roost. I am here to get things done, to achieve things, to dominate. Others would say, I am here to be loved and to love. You know, I just want to love and be loved and be happy. And can't we all just get along you know, with the political climate of America, these last two weeks have been hard, you know, for you. And, you know, and, uh, you know, when we talk about purpose in life, uh, you know, some people are like, ah, oh, I just, you know, I just, I just want to love and be loved, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, other people say, I am here to get things done. I, you know, my purpose in life is to achieve things, to knock stuff off my list, to get things done, you know, to, to man, let's, let's do this. Let's plow through it. Let's do it. Let's get it done. This is my purpose in life. And, uh, you know, th then other people are, are, are here to say, you know, I am here to get things right. I, I want to get it right. Get it nice and organized. You know, like, don't touch don't touch my stuff because it's exactly where I put it, you know? And, 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 and I, you know, like, I just, I, I just want to get it right. And, and, and people go through their life with this motivation of, like, man, you know, I just I want to get it right. I, I, it has to be right. And, it ha you know, and, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, we drive people who want to get things done. We drive them nuts when we want to get it right because we, anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right, but out of all these things that motivate people and give them purpose, you may be wondering, what is my purpose? Why am I here? 
And can, can I even know it? Can I even know my purpose? And really in this, in this question of why am I here or the question of what is my purpose, there's, there's really kind of two main questions. One is the big question of, and I call it the general question, what is the purpose of mankind? Why, why are we all here? Why, why are we all born in this season? Why, why does mankind exist? What is mankind's perfect purpose? Does mankind have a purpose? Do we as mankind have a purpose? There's, there's many schools of thought out there that, that would deny that and say, no, there's no purpose. We just exist. And, you know, therefore we have the, the right and the ability to deny morality and all those kind of things. But, you know, the, the, there is, the Bible gives us a very loud and astounding answer to this question, and the answer is yes! Mankind has a purpose. Mankind is here for a reason and for a purpose. And then the second question that's kind of in, in that main question of why am I here is, is, well, what then, in light of that, what is my specific calling and purpose? Why, why am I specifically here? So we have the general, the general question for everyone, the, the mankind question, and then we have the specific question, what about me? Why am I here? Can I even know? Do I have a purpose? And the Bible gives another resounding yes. And really, these, are, these, are, these questions are very powerful because when we don't have uh, our, our roots in the answers of these questions, when we don't have these questions answered for us, it, it can either cause us to just wander around aimlessly or it can even cause like a paralysis of like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to do because I can't make that decision. I can't make that big, that big, uh, you know, leap, uh, life, life change leap, or I can't make that big decision because I don't know what it is that I'm actually supposed to be doing. So let's deal with the first question of what is the purpose of mankind and why are we here? The general question. Let's start there this morning. Why does mankind exist? St. Augustine said this. He said, the chief end of mankind, the chief end of mankind is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for us as mankind. Jeremiah 29, 11 is, is, the, is God, our Heavenly Father, speaking, and He's speaking it to Israel, but He's also speaking it to us. And He says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, I believe that we cannot fully know our purpose on earth apart from relationship with God. He made us. He knows why we exist. He knows who we are. We also have the example of Jesus, who he was the perfect man. He was the perfect example uh, for us. Uh, he, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. So we can say that he is the perfect man as an example for us. And we see in John chapter 17, uh, verses 1 to 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. John chapter 17, verses 1 to 4. We see Jesus gives us the example of his purpose, which was to glorify the Father. 
And he did this by accomplishing what God had given him to do. And he, he talks about that in John chapter 17, verses 1 to 4. And if you're there, you can give me a good amen or some kind of indication that you're there and reading with me. A thumbs up is good. All right. Okay. Cool. Thanks. You're with me this morning. All right. That's, that's either a declaration of truth or a prophetic statement <laughs> that you will be with me this morning. Amen. John... Chapter 17, verses 1 to 4 says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. You see, there's this, sometimes we think that like, oh, if we down ourselves, if we continually put ourselves down, and the Bible is very clear that we're not to think of ourselves more, ought, uh, more highly than we ought to think, but there's something in our culture, and, I, and we're going to deal with this a little bit at the end, where we can become so self-depreciating, you know, that we're afraid that like God would even like glorify us or we're afraid if we start to be successful or we're afraid that like and really the thing that we're afraid of is pride you know but Jesus here he says listen father it's time that you glorify the son so that the son can glorify you his purpose was to glorify his heavenly father our father the hours come glorify your son that your son may glorify you since you have given him all authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you had given me to do. So Jesus gives us an example in saying, listen, his purpose was to glorify the Father on earth, to make the Father known on earth to mankind, to reintroduce us to our Heavenly Father, to bring us into relationship again with our Heavenly Father, the one who knows us, the one who knows why we exist and who we are to be. <clears throat> Jesus' work was to give us eternal life. He did this by revealing the Father and saying that because of him, we would know God, the Father, and Jesus himself as the way. His purpose on earth was to restore mankind in relationship to the Father. You see, Jesus was our example. He, he implies in this scripture, he implies that, number one, the specific work you are to accomplish comes from God the Father. He says, I've finished the work that you have given me to do. So the specific work of Christ that Jesus was to accomplish comes from the Father. Your specific calling, destiny, and purpose in God comes from the Father. It comes from the Father. So it, it, we're going to talk about like personality assessments and all these things, which I love to do. Anyway, I'm just a nerd that way. But, you know, like, and, and those are all good things. We'll talk about that in a second. Those are all good things. But it's always secondary to your relationship with the one who made you. It's, those things are all secondary to kind of like add meat on the skeleton, but you get the framework of who God has called you to be from your heavenly Father. Jesus also implies here that the authority and the empowering that you need to accomplish the purpose comes from God the Father. So not only does the, the, the calling, the direction, like this is what I want you to do or this is who I want you to be, but the, the ability, the empowering to accomplish that, the faith to accomplish that, the filling of the Holy Spirit 
to accomplish that, the giftings to accomplish those things come from God as well. So it's not just that we check in with the Lord once a year, like, how am I doing? Okay, yep, okay. You know, there, there's this constant walking with our Heavenly Father because He's the one who empowers us and gives us the authority to accomplish. And that really is Paul's understanding of grace. So when Paul talks about grace, he's not talking about like amazing grace, you know, your Aunt Grace. Okay? He's, not talking, he's not talking just about salvation, but Paul's understanding of grace is that, yes, it starts at salvation, but it's also the authority, the empowering, the equipping to accomplish everything that you have called to do. So I like to see it like this, that every one of us, and maybe I've said this here before or not, but every one of us, we have this, this, this like well, it's an inverted well, I guess, you know, wells are usually down. But anyway, we have, we, have this, we have this, you know, this ball of grace over each one of our lives. It has to do with God's will and purpose, but in that is the empowering of the Holy Spirit to accomplish everything and the authority that God gives us to accomplish the things that he has called us to do. So you, you can have the direction without the grace. The grace comes from your daily walk with the Lord the daily walk with the Lord and the daily adjustments that God gives us, you know, the weekly adjustments, the monthly adjustments, the things that God helps us redirect in our purpose and his plan for our lives. And so Jesus implies that the authority and the empowering, he says that you have given me the work, I've done it, uh, and this is the work that they may know you. The authority and the empowering you need to accomplish the purpose also comes from God. And then also the identity of who you are. He was the son, and he had no problem saying that he was the son of God, that he was the, the and, and he was the only begotten son of God. But he, he, the identity came from the father as well. The identity of who you're called to be while you're working out. So it, there is what, you know, I've heard this, I heard this you know, many times, and, and this is probably actually good for our region and our area where we come from, is, is to not, you know, we're not human doings. We're human beings, right? Yeah, it's about who we are, right? And, and uh, you know, and, that, and that's good, and we need to remember that, you know, but, but Jesus uh, did say that God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, <laughs> you know? So there is things specifically called that we are called to do, and there is the calling of who we are to be while we're doing it. Yeah? It's both. Tell your neighbor, say, it's both. It's both. Okay, so the question of purpose and identity is such a big question to mankind because when we lost our relationship with God, like this is, this is I mean, you can go into any culture, any place, and people have this question. People have this question at different age groups. It's not just something that's like rele- you know, relegated to, like, to teenagers or young adults or like midlife experience. No, it's, it, this question is a huge question for mankind because when we lost our relationship with God, when we followed Satan's rebellion against God, when Adam and Eve followed Satan's rebellion against God, then at that point we lost the relationship with the one who knows us, the one who knows why we exist and who we are, who we're called to be, and what we are called to accomplish on this earth. Each person has a yearning and a desire for this to be answered in their lives, which in itself actually is proof that it exists because you don't yearn for something that doesn't exist. You know, you don't have a hunger for something that doesn't exist. 
If you have this yearning, this, this, and I'm not talking about like an idea, I'm talking about this, this heart-crunching yearning for something, it's because it's out there for you. It's because God has it out there for you. Yeah? It's because it exists for you. So if you, you know, and, and that's true for any area of our life. If you have this, this heart-crunching yearning for relationship and connection, it's because God has it for you. If you have this heart-crunching yearning, like, man, like, I, we need all of our needs supplied, it's because God has that for you. Amen? You do not hunger for what does not exist. And many, many people try and fill this void of purpose with a lesser thing called causes. <laughs> causes, whether it's what I would consider frivolous causes of, you know, the people for eating tasty animals or, <laughs> or good causes, you know, uh, weight loss, uh, political causes, social causes, Causes to, to end poverty, causes even to end abortion, and causes, you know, good causes can, can you know, ending human tra- trafficking, all, all good causes, but no cause can ever take the place of fulfilling your purpose. Your causes is what you do, but it's not, it doesn't give you identity. It doesn't give you that main bedrock of identity of like, this is what I've called you to do, of the Father saying that over you, all right? Relationship with God is where we start when we are desiring to know our purpose. Only in starting in reverence and relationship with God can we begin to unpack this gift box. You know, you get a gift box on Christmas morning. Christmas, I had this, well, maybe because we were watching the Hallmark Channel last night, Watching the Hallmark Channel with a bunch of teenage, young, developing ladies is quite interesting <laughs> and fun. All right. It's very all romantic. And anyway, but, you know, they have the Christmas trees coming on and, and all of that. And, and, and it's like, oh, Christmas is coming. You know, and when, when you, what happens at Christmas? You get these gifts and you get to unpack them. And your purpose, your calling, your destiny is a gift that your Heavenly Father gives to you, but it has to be unpacked. And you get to spend, it comes from Him, but you get to spend your entire life unpacking this gift that He has for you. You get to, you know, discovering what's in the box. And, and you know, if, if, you're, uh, if you've ever gotten a gift that had multiple gifts in the box, that's kind of how life is. That's kind of how God has it for you. You pull one thing out, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And you unwrap it, you play with it, wow. You know, when you're a child, you play with it. When you're an adult, you... Still play with it, but you, the, you, you, you know, you, and, and, then, and then, you, then you reach into the next thing, and there's something else that God has for, for us in our lives. There's another dimension to our lives that God adds. There's another heart cry and passion that God adds and, and into our hearts. And, but, you know, the, the place that we start with that is the reverence and relationship with God as we unpack this. Even Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So you want to know things about your life? You have to start with the fear of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10 echoes this same thing. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is how to apply the knowledge you know. So it's, it's not just about getting the knowledge like, whoa, this is what I'm called to do. But wisdom is, okay, how do I actually begin to put that into, 
into the everyday aspect of my life. And that also comes from relationship with the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So a few, a few verses before this, it says, you know, it's not by works that we're saved, but by faith, by grace through faith, right? But then it goes on to say, God has prepared works for you and me to accomplish beforehand. So there are specific things for you and I to accomplish in this life. All right. As we come into relationship with God, he's the one that begins to highlight things in our hearts. He's the one that brings us into his kingdom, and he brings us into Christ. We are created to be in Christ. You know, the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve messed it up, I see like the Garden of Eden is, very, is like a type and shadow of Christ. Because in the Garden of Eden, you know, in Eden, they had a relationship with the Heavenly Father. They had purpose for their life. They had purpose for their work. They had unity with one another. And they had free choice to obey or disobey. The Bible says that when we are in Christ, we have relationship with the Father. We have purpose to our life, purpose to our work. We have unity with each other. And we also have free choice to obey or disobey. And so in Christ, as we come into Christ, as we come into the body of Christ, we become a part of the church. That's the, that's the body of Christ. And the Bible says this about the church, the purpose of the church. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to rulers and to principalities. Sorry, I lost it here. <laughs> And authorities, sorry, rulers and authorities in heavenly places, which is principalities. So your purpose in the church is to make known, to put on display the manifold wisdom of God. That angels and demons and all the hosts of heaven in the spirit realm, they will understand God's manifold wisdom because they observe your life. That is the purpose of the church, to make known the manifold, which means multifaceted, multi-sided, multi-colored wisdom of God. When the principalities and powers look at us, they see the many-sided wisdom of God. That's the purpose of you and I on the earth. It's part of the purpose of the church. All right, the two greatest commands. What, what, what's the greatest commandment? Yeah, okay. Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39 says, uh, And Jesus said that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, it's only in submitting to the first commandment that we can actually fulfill and obey the second commandment. Amen? So that's the, that's the general purpose of mankind. We are to give God glory. We see Jesus as an example of that. You know, we're to give God glory. That's what the purpose of the church is. That's what the purpose of knowing him. We have relationship with him. We're to give him glory, and we're to enjoy him forever. I agree with St. Augustine. 
on that, the man of the burning heart, okay? You know, uh, so that's the general purpose of mankind. Let's talk about the specific purpose of mankind. Let's go to the specific question. So in light of that general purpose, what is my individual purpose? Why am I specifically here? Why was I born in this place and time? And Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 27, if you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down. And if, if you're just following me in your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 17, verses 26 to 27. I find this scripture is very interesting. So God chooses the time and the place that you are to be born, and he does it for a specific purpose. There's a specific purpose to why you're here on earth, you know, in, these, in the span of these 100 years, wherever you are in that, you know. There's a purpose to why you were born in this specific time. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 27 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind, to live in all the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God. This is why. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. So the purpose that God has had you born in the year that you were born, in the nation that you were born, in the community that you were born, was to seek him and find him. In other words, you were born in this place in time because God saw and knows in his wisdom that this is the place in time that you would have the greatest chance of success in finding him. You were born into this family because you have the greatest chance of success in this generation, in this time frame of finding him. That's why you were born in this time and in this place, so that you may seek him and find him, and he's not far from each one of us. So our personal, individual purpose starts with, and I've said this before, it starts with knowing God. Knowing God. And really to know him is to love him. Knowing God. Then it goes on. So starting there, then it goes on to knowing yourself. Knowing how God has wired you. What makes you come alive? You see, it's not just that the, the knowing God is the start. Eternal life starts when you know him. But it doesn't end there, right? Yeah, otherwise, when you come to Christ, shoop, you, you're gone, right? Rapture, or for some of you who may not believe in the rapture, <laughs> and you're gone. Either way. All right, so there's something to accomplish. You're still here. Tell your neighbors, say, you are still here. <laughs> so God has something for you to accomplish. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God is speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
And I, before you were born, I sanctified you. That means I set you apart for myself, and I have ordained you as a prophet to the nations. You see, there's this thing that we need to understand about our individual callings, and that is, it is from broad to narrow. Have you ever seen those graphs on Facebook or something where, like, uh, you, you know, they give a comparison where what is success and people think that like success is one decision and boom, you're there. And then they show like another graph of like all these hard times and trials and failures and 10 failures. And then finally, like you get to a place of being successful. Anyone ever see that? Just make me feel good. (laughs) It's fine. You know, but, and that's the idea that like, you know, we think that, and, and uh, as a young person, I thought this way that like, I have to get this decision right. And it's amazing that some of the decisions I look back on that I stressed the most about, that I thought were like the most important decisions in my life, you know, like a lot of those, not all of them, but a lot of them, I look back on and like, oh, that wasn't that important, <laughs> you know? And some of the decisions that I kind of made, not, not all of them, but some of the decisions that I kind of made, just made like flippantly, like, oh yeah, that seems right, you know? turned out to be some of the life, like the life-setting decisions in my life, right? And, and uh, like I said, not all of them, but a lot of them, you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, like I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that that would be so profoundly impacting for me. And the thing is this, that we can trust our Heavenly Father. We don't have to have it all figured out. Like, he's the one who plots it for us. He's the one who puts things into place. I'm walking in a season right now in my life where I feel like God has me spiritually blindfolded. I don't like it. (laughs) Because I'm used to seeing. Like, I'm used to seeing out. And, ha- and, and, and there's, you know, there's this, not in every area of my life, don't get me wrong. But like, you know, there's just some areas I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? He's like, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) You know, (laughs) anyway, and I have to be okay with that, okay, because we don't have to figure it all out. We don't have to figure it all out. He's got it. He's got us in his hand. He's good, all right, but we do have to stay in relationship with him because he knows. You see, our calling is is broad to narrow. It's general to specific, and and you may have heard someone, uh, you may have heard Brian speak, I think I heard Brian talk about this one time, where like your life is kind of like you're getting in an airplane from the huge booming metropolis of Lancaster International Airport, you know, (laughs) all right, and you're going to fly to Los Angeles. Well, pretty much, as soon as you start flying, you pretty much just got to be heading west, right? I mean, it's not that the pilot gets up, takes off the runway, and sets the course, and then never changes the direction of the plane again, and winds up in, in Los Angeles, Yet we think that that's how life is. Like, oh, we got to make this one decision. If we make this one decision wrong, we're, you know, we're lost. No, but, but the, the truth is that you can pretty much just be heading in a general direction, like being called to ministry. Well, what's ministry? What part of it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you can pretty much just be heading in a general direction. I love robotics. I don't know, but God just kind of made my brain that way. I, I, I love that, you know, so, so or whatever. You can kind of start heading in a general direction, and it only really matters the closer you get to Los Angeles, that's where the narrower your focus becomes. 
Do you get that? So a pilot, when he takes off, he's making little corrections the whole time when he's flying. He's flying, you know, Los Angeles. If I, if I want to get to that back corner, I can pretty much start, you know, by going, oh, oh, that's not over here. You know, I can, I, can, I can be bumped around. It's not like I'm really missing it. I'm still heading that general direction. But the closer I get there, the more <clears throat> important my decisions become in terms of the direction of our lives. And that's how God leads us. And so don't stress, you know, don't, don't allow yourself to come under huge amounts of stress when you're not like three steps away from where you want to be. <laughs> yeah? It's broad, and, and I'm saying this, you know, especially for those of us who, who are, like how I included myself in that, those of us who are like in the beginning, who are still in the first half of our lives, <laughs> you know, come on, that's right, yesterday I was at a meeting, they were like, if you're a young person, stand up, and I was like, come on, hallelujah, <laughs> amen, I used to be one of the older young people. Now I'm one of the younger old people. <clears throat> so, it's just how it works in life, <laughs> I guess. I didn't know when that happened either. It was like one day, boom, and it happened. I was like, oh, I'm old. Really? <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, and now I'm depressed. No, just kidding. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. Okay, so... Uh, our callings are more from general, and the further we get, the, the, the more we go along in our life, that's when we make more and more specific decisions. So don't stress, if you don't have the grace to make a specific decision, don't put yourself under the pressure to do it. Let me say that again. If you don't have the grace to make a very specific decision, you know, if you don't have the capability, you don't have the... the the grace to do it, don't put yourself under the pressure to do it because it might not be the timing for that decision. It might just be like, we'll take the next step in that general direction kind of thing. All right? Yeah, so let's talk about some practical tips because the goal many times in our life as individuals, as we are discovering and unpacking what God has for us in our general call, as we're discovering and unpacking that, the goal is to find what I have heard and what I have begun to call a season of convergence. Anyone ever hear that? That principle, season of convergence in our lives. And a season of convergence, a season of convergence is this. Convergence is the coming together. If you would, you know, take uh, uh, if you would take a piece of paper and you would draw out, uh, you would write out like, well, this is my calling. This is what God has called me to do, okay? This is what I just love doing. This is a passion that I have. And this is some raw talents and giftings that I have. And this is some, some developed talents and giftings. This is developed skills. Maybe I went to college. Maybe I went to, to training or somebody mentored me and gave me some specific skills in this. And you draw another circle. And then this is uh, my personality. This is just how I perceive the world. And then this is my financial engine. Every one of us, we need a financial engine. And if you would draw a line from all of those things where they all intersect, that's what we call the area of convergence. Where all those areas in our lives converge, that is our sweet spot. That's our sweet spot, okay? So, let's back up here. <clears throat> Calling. What has God called me to do? Or who has God called me to be? There was a time in my life I was mowing the lawn, 
with one of these older lawnmowers, and I, I don't know if it was exactly a bobcat, but it was one that was like this, and my parents had a quite, you know, pretty big property. It wasn't, yeah, anyway, it wasn't huge, but uh, I mean, the, the area that I had to mow wasn't that huge, but it, it took an hour, you know, on a push, on a push mower. So um, one time in my life, I was, you know, I was in my early teenage years, and I was kind of wrestling with some of these questions, and I just like stopped. I was out there mowing, and I just stopped, and I was like, Lord, just tell me, <laughs> like, <laughs> who have you called me to be? I don't even know what age I was, but it was just like, just tell me. And I felt like he did. This, this really simple sentence just dropped in my spirit. I have called you to be, hmm, you all want to know what it is. So I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you know? But it was something that was very formative towards my identity and who God had called me to be. And so a lot of times we can dismiss some of those inner impressions. We can dismiss some of those inner impressions, those inner instructions. And like, well, if somebody else doesn't say it, then it's not true. And, but there are certain things that the Lord can give you, even as a child, uh, even as a young adult, that just, oh, this, is, this can be a defining thing in my life. And sometimes we can discredit it through life. We go through college or whatever, and, and we can wind up discrediting those things. But I, I want to remind you of what the Lord, some dreams, some things that he had in your heart when you were young, because the same Holy Spirit that is big and powerful and mighty and earth-shaking for you today is the same Holy Spirit that was dropping that in your heart when you were 5, 10, 15 years old. Yeah? All right, so... <clears throat> You know, one of the things, okay, I'll tell you. One of the things was, he said, I've called you to be a channel of revelation. And that kind of always just stuck with me. Like, okay, I, what does that mean? I didn't know. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> but it's always been there. Like, in, in who, who I've called to be, what, what am I called to do? What am I, and, and so there's always this element of, like, I have to be able to work out that. Part of that. And there's been other words that the Lord has spoken to me that you know, has added a lot more definition and even completely different definition for my life. But, but start there. Like, God, what, what have you called me to be? What, what is the area of your calling? What is the area of your calling? Okay. What are you passionate about? What are the things that you just love about life? What are the things you love about life? Do you love people? Do you love Silence, <laughs> you know? Do you love, what, what is it that you love about life? Make note of it. What are some of the raw talents and giftings that you have? What are some of the raw talents and giftings that you have, your natural abilities that you have a natural proclivity to? What are some of those things? Write that down. What are some of the areas of developed skills? Things you have, you have learned over a hard time or over a time of like that you intentionally put yourself through school or whatever. What, what are some of the developed skills in your life that forms part of this area of convergence? Listen, the kingdom of God needs us, needs each one of us operating. You know, remember how I said that we, we can, uh, I'll come back and finish that sentence. My wife always gets on me because like I start sentences and I don't finish them. See, I just started three and didn't finish any of them. All right. <laughs> All right, and now I forgot which two that started. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. So, but the the thing is this: uh, we can trust God. 
So we don't have to wrestle this out and try and try and see how it all comes together. We can just be observant and become self-aware of our own lives of saying, God, what is it that I'm really passionate about? Like what just really fits? What just really works for me? And, and be cognizant of that, become self-aware about that, and just write that down and be like, oh, that's, that's really true. You know, or you have somebody that, that shares something encouraging about your life, like, man, like you really know how, you just really have a gift of administrating people. Like, and that, oh, that's, you know, looking back over my life, like, that's interesting. You know, like, that's true. When, when someone gives you an encouragement and it really resonates in your spirit, take, take note of that. It's not just something that they say, but there's, there's a package there from the Lord about your life. So what is it? What are those, some of those areas in your life that, that just really, you know, they can be areas of development, and we don't have to all work it out, but just take note of it. Take observation of it, okay? All right, we can trust that the Lord is the one who is bringing it to, to ha- bringing it to pass. Because in this, I'm, see, I just finished the second thought, the second sentence. Now I'm going back to the first one. And this is this, that the kingdom of God needs us all in our sweet spot. The kingdom of God needs us all operating in our sweet spot. And when we're all operating, uh, uh, you know, the book Good to Great talks about getting the, in the right seats on the bus not just all getting on the right bus, but getting on the right seats on the bus, when we're all functioning that way and God's the one who's orchestrating it all, it actually works. <laughs> amazing. It, and it works amazingly and it works in such a way that like, yeah, there's, you know, there's always interpersonal challenges, all that kind of stuff, but like the majority of it is fulfilling. The majority of it is, is, is good and healthy and helpful, all right? And so the kingdom of God needs each one of us functioning in our sweet spot functioning in who God has called us to be. And so where does your passion line up? Where does the talents and the giftings that God has given you, what is the developed skills that God has given you? What is your personality? You know, this is, you know, this is where you get all these assessments and, you know, the team profile and the disc profile and the, you know, all these different things that can be really helpful. I love these things because it helps me understand other people, not just myself. But like, it, it can be super helpful in helping us define like, oh, this is how God has made me. This is how I see the world. Or this is why I always get so offended with other people. You know? And, and really, it's actually, it can be a product of our personality. And here we thought it was something in their heart. It's just the way we see the world. <laughs> All right? Yeah, and learning to understand those things. And then also the area of financial engine. Everyone needs a financial engine. We need to ha- find a way to pay for our life. Yeah? And we need to find a financial engine in our hearts and in our lives. Okay? And where do all those points intersect in our lives? And that's, that's a good place to start. So it starts with our relationship with God. And then we flesh it out in some of these things. Is that good? God created you with your personality, with your passions, and with your joys. Explore them. Hone them. Hone them, okay? God created us with body, soul, and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has created a spirit, soul, and body, okay? We can't just be like super spiritual and letting our soul 
go, go to shreds. Okay, he has created us to be healthy in every area in each one of our in each one of our lives, and we we need to be. The world needs us fully alive. Howard Thurman says this. Howard Thurman was an, an influential African American author, philosopher, preacher, and civil rights leader. He said these. He said, "Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go and do that, because the world." What the world needs is people who have come fully alive. Yeah? All right? Getting towards the end here. Sometimes in our culture, and this is coming, circling back to what I was saying about uh, our culture can become so self-depreciating. It's an interesting thing. When you live outside of your culture and then you come back, you live outside for many years, and then you come back. You get to see, you kind of adopt a new culture wherever you go. You kind of get to see, like, oh, there, there's these things ingrained in, in my culture that I thought maybe was God, but really it's actually just something that was really ingrained in my culture. So let me tell you something about South Africa and the culture there, because coming into there, I was able to, to observe some things with that, is in, in South Africa and some other nations as well, the, the biggest thing that people fear, they fear uh, the perspective or the perception that they are not generous. Like, you can accuse them of anything, but if you accuse them of not being generous, that's like the epitome of accusation against somebody's life. And so they are fearful of that. And so what happens is, you know, there's a lot of things that... that cause people and put pressure on people to appear generous, even if they're not. Yeah? You know, what one, you know what one of the things is in our culture here? Pride. You see, we're not really afraid of being proud. We're afraid of appearing proud. which actually is rooted in the fear of man, which is pride. So we become very self-depreciating about ourselves because we don't want to appear proud. Even to the point when someone says, hey, man, like that was amazing. You were really good at that. Oh, it was nothing. You know? Or like, you really did this, this well. Oh, no. Oh, it, it was the Lord. Yeah, but it... He wasn't doing much till you got there. <laughs> no. We are afraid to, to, and so what this does for us, because we're here and we're preaching in this culture, what this does for us is it doesn't allow us to fully embrace who God says we are. Because we don't really want to emotionally embrace that in case we would be being proud. Like, well, I'll just be it without the acknowledgement of it. And if God thinks that privately, that's okay. <laughs> so I have a song this morning to help us with this. It's a song from a culture that doesn't think that way. Okay? The talk that, that doesn't think in ways of like, 
you know, for us to be like, hey, I'm amazing. <laughs> we would be like, oh my goodness, you can't say that, you know? Well, in other cultures, you can, because that's not the thing that they're like, no, like, I, I'm not amazing in and of myself, but who God has called me to be, like, that's coming alive, and we're all able to be that. Like, we're all able to be amazing. Like, God, God's view of you is amazing. Like, he sees you as amazing. Like, not with deficiency, not with brokenness. Like, God sees you. When he looks through the lens of Christ, he sees you healed, set free, delivered, and amazing and functioning. And that's his view and vision of us, and he keeps inviting us to that vision of who he has called us to be. Before I knew you, sorry, before you were formed, I knew you. Amen? All right? So I want to remind us here, because sometimes we have to stand on the word of God against the internal pressure of our culture. And listen, our culture is not bad. I'm not preaching against culture. Everyone has one. Okay? All right? Come on. Everyone has one. But I just want to remind us, and this is a really good thing to remind us. I'm sure that many of you have it already. I don't want to remind you. I want to read this through. It says, I am highly esteemed. And there's scripture verses here, but for time's sake, uh, we'll just go through it. Okay? I am highly esteemed. I am now God's child. I am born of the imperishable seed of God's word. I am loved by Christ and freed from my sins. I am forgiven of all my sins. I am justified from all things. I am the righteousness of God. I am free from all condemnation. I am free from my past. I am a new creature. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am reconciled to God. I am loved. God's Son sanctified, sacrificed Himself for me. I am a saint and loved by God. I am holy and without blame before him. I am the head and not the tail. I am called of God by the grace given in Christ. I have been fully, I've been given fullness in Christ. I am rescued from the power of darkness. I am accepted by Christ. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am dead to sin. I am alive to God. I am seated with Christ in heavenly realms. I am a king and a priest. Mm, come on. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. I am qualified to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of light. I am more than a conqueror. I am healed by the wounds of Jesus. I am known by God before I was formed in the womb. I am in Christ Jesus by God's act, not my own, by God's act. I am kept by God's power. I am sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I am not condemned. I have everlasting life life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I have been given all things that pertain to life. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am, our part, I am a partaker of the divine nature. I have peace with God. I am chosen a chosen royal 
priest. I can do all things through Christ. I have all my needs met by God according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I shall do even greater works than Christ Jesus. I am kept strong and blameless to the end. I am chosen by him. I am born of God and I overcome the world. I have a guaranteed inheritance. I am a fellow citizen in God's household. Christ's truth has set me free. Excuse me, set me free. I always triumph in Christ. I am Jesus' hands. I am holy without blemish and free from accusation. I have eyes to see God's eternal purpose. Christ is being formed in me. I am anointed by the Holy One. God's love is lavished upon me. I am kept from falling and presented without fault. I am God's house. God has given me a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. He has considered me faithful and appointed me to his service. I am justified by faith. The Spirit himself intercedes for me. Inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. For freedom, Christ has set me free. I am held together by him, and I have the mind of Christ, and I am called to build Christ in others. That's... That's who God says you are. So if God says that about you, and the purpose that Jesus died was for you to come to the Father to realize this about you, and when, when we, we come into false humility, which is pride, because it's the appearance of pride, we're, we're rejecting an appearance of pride, when we come into false humility, what we are saying to God is that the cross was not enough. And we are making a judgment against God. And we're saying, no, 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 you did all of that to bring me to that place, but I'm not there. Jesus' blood was not worthy enough for me. You are who God says you are. Tell your neighbor, say, you are who God says you are. You're not what you feel like. You're not what you think about yourself. You're not what some authority figure told you you are. You are who God says you are. And the amazing thing is, we all are this, and yet we all have different, the different ways and different, uh, uh, what, uh, the different ways of working that out in each one of our life. Yeah? The different shades of how this applies to each one of us and who we are because we're, we're all the same, yet we are all uniquely and significantly different. Amen? So let's stand up. And I have an, a song that I love. And let me tell you about this song because it really challenged me because there's, a, there's a, a part in that song that says, 
look at me. I'm a sign and a wonder. And I was like, you can't say that. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, no, don't look at me. Because what, and really inside of me, it was like this whole like cultural thing of the, this whole like reaction, like, oh no, no, no. It, it was, and, and it was obviously done by a culture that doesn't you know, think that way. And it was really confronting religious things in my heart and in me. Instead of, hey, can we just let God be God? Can we be who he's called us to be and appreciate that about ourselves, but then also go a step further and appreciate that about other people? Be like, man, like, you're amazing. Like, the skills you have, Brian, the skills you have, Brian and Allie, the skills you have in doing what you do with houses and creating things, like, that's amazing. That's incredible. That is something to be celebrated. And see, when we begin to celebrate things that we really love, like when, when I'm celebrated for, for me about things that I really love, that's so life-giving. And that's true for each one of us. When we celebrate each other for the things that, we, that, that as individuals we really love, we're so celebrated. You, you know how you know what you really love? When someone offends you and they say, oh, you're not very good at that, and it cuts you really deep, it's because you really care about that in your life. All right? When you're celebrated for the things that you really love, that's, that's how you know. And that's where we get to build up each other up. And that's what building each other up in our faith and walking in relationship is all about. Amen? All right, so here we go.
Amen. Amen. So, you know, the first time I heard that song, I was like, oh, we can't be singing about ourselves like that in church. 
we're supposed to be singing about God, you know? And, and through, through several years, you know, just like, man, you know, like, this is actually really true. Like, can we begin to celebrate what God celebrates about us? So when he sees us and he sees you and he says, man, these are the things I celebrate about you. This is who I've created you to be. This is what I've called you to. Can we join him in that celebration about others as well as ourselves and just be like, hey, God, the, you're, you're the Lord. You're the one who has this all in your hands. And so, Father, we come to you. Today, you know, uh, Acts 13, verse 36, it says, For David, after he'd served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, and he he was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. In other words, he died. So God has called each one of us to serve his purposes in our generation. Amen? You are who God calls you. You are what God says about you. You are what God has called you to be. So I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. There's the general call that I'm going to love him and I'm going to love my neighbor. And there's the specific call that God has laid out for each one of us to accomplish in our lifetimes. And God has called us to reveal his many-faceted, many-sided, many-colored glory to all things that see us. Amen? To principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of heavenly places. Amen? And it is his heart to celebrate each one of us. Amen? Hallelujah. So, Father, today, God, we come and we submit to who you say we are. We submit and we say that we agree with you, God, over our own hearts, over our own lives, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, every root of unbelief is rooted out in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you celebrate us. You celebrate who we are. And God, we can celebrate with you. And in that, we come into alignment with who you have called us to be and that Christ is being formed inside of us. And Lord, it doesn't mean that you you just let us go and, and never correct us. But God, you lead us step by step. And so, Father, I pray for those today, God, who are dealing with and, and, and uh, wrestling with this issue of what What am I called to do? Who am I called to be? What am I called to do next? And God, my prayer today, Lord, is is that you would give each one of us next steps. Even if it's not the whole picture, even if it's not the whole destination, you would give us next steps. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you love each one of us and that we are who you say we are. We're not how we feel. We're not what circumstances dictate to us. Father, we are who you say we are. We thank you for wisdom, revelation, understanding, and grace. The grace of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness that is better than life. It's better than life. It's better than life. Father, we celebrate our culture. We celebrate our cultures. God, we we don't reject our cultures. Father, we celebrate the cultures, the place, the time and place that you put us in. God, but we do recognize that there's sometimes there's some weaknesses, as well as strengths, but there's some weaknesses in those cultures. So God, we just lay those down before you. We thank you that we have kingdom culture, which is the best of all the cultures in the world. Father, we thank you that the culture of heaven is here. And we come into and submit to the culture of heaven. In Jesus' name. Father, give us words of life. 
for people that we meet this week that we can articulate really well your heart and your vision for them just to encourage them and bless them. In Jesus' name. Thank you that not one of us is left alone. Not one of us is here by accident. just, you know, bless you out today, but I would love to do an, an experiment where you find somebody in your life this week, someone who, you know, preferably they don't know the Lord or they're, they're just, you know, you find somebody in your life and you sit down and you're like, God, what do you celebrate about them? What is it that you really celebrate? What is it that's evident in their life that when they live, this just kind of comes out? And articulate it well. And then bless them with it. With no strings attached, no hook, like, you know, just bless them with it. Be life-giving to someone this week. Amen? Be encouraging. We're called to encourage each other daily. challenge us to find the hard person in our life, the hard people in our life, and define what God celebrates about them. Amen? Is that good? Let's become his hands and his feet. Let's rise above our, our relational challenges, some of the struggles we have, and let's become the words of Christ to somebody's life. When you do that, guess what? They become hungry. Especially those who don't know Christ, they become hungry. And they, they, they want more. They become hungry. They become hungry for it. Amen? And then you can lead them to Christ, whatever, the Lord open, whatever doors the Lord opens. But do it with an honest, sincere heart to bless them. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So, Father, today, we thank you for your word that sets us free. Thank you for your word that so accurately and articulately defines who we are. We say yes, Lord. For the areas in our own hearts, God, where we're not sure that we can say yes and amen to certain areas, God, things that you say, Lord, we, we recognize that we're human, we're frail, we don't get it all right, but God, we say yes. We say yes, Lord. We take the step to say yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God, that you bring us to seasons of convergence. Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Have a powerful week. The prayer ministers can come forward. If you would like prayer over specific issues, uh, you know, kind of concerning this, I invite you to come and get prayer. Just receive prayer. But have a powerful and anointed and God-inspired and God-filled, Holy Spirit-filled week. In Jesus' name, God bless you.